Welcome to episode 13. This is season 2. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach and stories heal. First of all, thank you listeners. We have reached over 2,100 plays for sharing life lessons. I consider this podcast a global podcast because when I look at my statistics, I see that my listeners are mainly from USA, but also from Canada, Pakistan, New Zealand, India, UK, Tanzania, Singapore, UAE, and Ireland, and thus a global podcast. But today, I'm about to technically really make it a global podcast because today, our first international guest is going to be sharing their life lessons with us. Everyone, please welcome Kay Skora. How do I know Kay? Kay and I spent seven days together in Baja California Sur in Mexico. We were both attending the Modern Elder Academy. I was a participant and she was a facilitator. For those who don't know what Modern Elder Academy or MEA is, If you're looking for a safe place to evolve, learn, collaborate, and make the shift with like-minded midlifers on the same path, then MEA is for you, and you should look it up. Well, I came out of that workshop thinking very highly of Kay, and you yourself will see why from this interview that I am about to have with her. So without further ado, welcome Kay, and here is a big virtual hug to you. Hi, Hamida. It's so lovely to be here with you. I was looking forward to this interview. It's really uh, wonderful to have you on the show. Kay, can we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. At this very moment, I have a grin on my face that you wouldn't believe because it's so delightful to reconnect with you, having met you at Modern Elder Academy a couple of years ago. And what else do you need to know about me? I, I'm 65 years old. I'm English. I was born in Yorkshire, which is the north of England. And I would say that in the last five years of my life, I have been on the steepest learning curve of my entire life, which by the way, is really saying something because I have had such a crazy varied life. And is it really a learning curve? It's more like an unlearning curve. So in the past five years or so, I have undone all all the ties that I wrapped around myself and allowed myself to be me again. And for that, I really have to thank a few people in my life. I began to work with a charity called Teenage Cancer Trust here in the UK. Teenage Cancer Trust helps young people with cancer to feel less alone and isolated. And my particular role has been to help some of them to rediscover themselves. You know, when you get the big C label, you become a cancer patient and that's all you can see. And I've been helping them to realize that they are still their fabulous, fun selves that they were before. But there was one particular workshop 
that I was running with them and I got goosebumps and I'm getting them now because I thought, hold on a second, Kate, you need to be doing this. I saw these young people come out of themselves again and I thought, oh my God, Kate, you need to be doing that. So, at about the same time, a little while after that, I was involved with a BAME ad agency in East London called Eagle. And we did a project called Big Dreams, Small Worlds. It was a voluntary project where we, we got to know some particularly young black men in inner city London and got them to talk about what they really wanted to do and what was stopping them from being the heroes that they really wanted to be. And of course, there were all sorts of things stopping them, the way society sees them, their financial situation. But again, I sat there and listened to these guys going, oh my God, you really could be anything, and so could I. So, in seems, It seems like they taught you as much as you taught them. They taught me so much more. They brought out knowledge that was in me, but I had suppressed it for so long. I had thought that I had to be the expert. You know, I've lived a very expert life. I used to be a biochemist and you really have to know your shit to be a biochemist. And then I moved into advertising and I was on the data side. So I had to know my data and I had to get things right. And what they have allowed me to do is to get things wrong. And of course, I've learned so much more. I'm listening to these young people and thinking, other oldies like me need to hear this stuff. I need to get this out there because I'm learning so much, everyone should learn. So I put together a, a little conference, Turning the Tables, which we ran in November last year, 2019. And I coached 11 of these astounding young people to get up on stage and deliver a little talk, a bit like a TED talk, about 20 minutes. And in the audience, I had leaders of big organizations, I had heads of charities, I had you know, some very influential people. I had the, the Lord Mayor of Kensington and Chelsea, which is where we, we held the thing. And it was, it was very funny. I'm a bit of a control freak. So I had this plan that we were going to have three speakers and then each table in the conference hall would have a conversation about how they could use this information. And then we'd have another three speakers. Well, I watched the faces in the room as my young speakers gave their talks. I saw people crying. I saw people with their mouths wide open, just staring at the stage. And I, on the spur of the moment, said, we're not doing any of that corporate business talking in between. We are going to totally immerse ourselves in this deeply emotional learning experience. So I just let it run. Yeah, we had a lunch break, but I let it run. It was extraordinary. And yes, we did record everything. And I do have a link to them all. Yeah, I'd love to get that and put it on my show notes. So if 
uh, listeners want to look at that because just when you were talking, I was getting goosebumps and I haven't even listened to any of it. So first of all, I'd like to listen to it. And if any of the listeners would like to listen to it, then that's great. Okay, please tell us your story. Well, I have spent my life allowing myself to be put in a box. So when I was extremely young, my parents took me to the circus or to a pantomime or something. And I came out and said, when I grow up, I'm going to be in the circus. And all the grown-ups in my world said, oh, no, dear, you can't do that because you're a clever little girl. So I got put in the clever little girl box. And then a little bit later, I think I'd started to go to see dance performances. And I said, I think when I grow up, I'm going to be a ballerina. And the grown-up said, you're a bit funny looking. You know, ballerinas are quite pretty and you're not really very pretty. So I got put in the funny looking clever girl box. And to be honest, I quite liked it in there. You know, I was always top of the class at school. I made other kids in the school laugh because I was quite funny looking and I could do acrobatics. So I quite enjoyed this clever, funny looking box, which led me into science, which I quite enjoyed, and then led me into a very successful career. But all the time, there was something missing. And then one day, uh, we're talking, I, I might get a bit emotional here, so forgive me. In 1989 or 1990, I had a dear friend, David Reynolds, who had AIDS. And, you know, back in those days, we knew a lot of people and we lost a good few people. Mm -hmm. And David was in his last few days. We went to see him. He was let home. He was in his apartment. And we knew that he was going to go. And my then husband and I had always said we didn't want to have children. We had quite an environmental approach to that, which was the planet's biggest problem is its population. We're not going to add to that problem. Anyway, David died and we went to his funeral. And when we came home, we had a conversation about how we felt that his death had given us permission to have a child. And the funny part of the story is I was already 36, I think, then. So we kind of thought, oh, it's going to take ages, you know, because she's ancient. Uh -huh. Two weeks later, I was pregnant. So went from, we're never going to have kids to, oh, we're pregnant in the space of about a month. And so, you know, along came young Sean Keating, who's now 28 years old. And with his arrival, I learned how to really feel again. I learned to really accept those emotions that I had been suppressing. All the creativity, all the compassion, all my rage about inequality, all of my emotions were heightened with the arrival of what is now a wonderful young man. And that was the beginning then of my starting to be creative again, as well as doing the business stuff. So that was the tipping point, the death of David Reynolds and the arrival of Sean Keating. That's an incredible story. And then did you make any changes in your professional or personal life? Because now all of those emotions and creativity was pouring out of you? 
It's interesting, isn't it? I, I've, I've made very few conscious decisions in my life. Uh, a friend of mine is fond of saying that for him, career is more of a verb than a noun. And I'm the same. I tend to career into things and see what happens. But I did find that new opportunities started to open up. And I don't know if you're familiar with a book called Synchronicity, The Inner Path of Leadership, Joseph Jaworski. And I found that very synchronous things were happening in my life. Here's another wonderful synchronicity story. Some years later, I was at an Applied Improvisation Network conference in San Francisco. This is an organization where we use the skills and techniques of improvised theater to help people in organizations to be more agile. I'm at the annual conference. And there's a man in the room at the same talk as I'm at. And I'm looking across the room at him and we're both fidgeting a bit. And I looked across at him and said, does anyone else in here feel like they really need to move, that they've had enough talking? And Paul, Paul Loper said, oh, yes, please. So he and I got up and moved a bit and then we got to know each other during the conference. Turns out that he is an immensely talented dancer and choreographer. He works with me at Modern Elder Academy. He's a somatic academic, and he was diagnosed with AIDS. He has been HIV positive for some 30 odd years. And we actually made a show about this. We made a show about how grateful we are to HIV that it brought us together. So we have that thread in common. Okay, if you ask me who is the one person I'd really like to interview for my podcast right now, it is Paul Loper. He is such a beautiful human being. And so thank you for giving me the idea because right after this show, I'm immediately going to reach out to him. Is this synchronous or what? Oh, it's so perfect. And he is so wonderful. Yes, so that, that, that was a, a synchronous opportunity and we, we went into business together. We run courses and workshops together. And we've done this from Seoul in South Korea to New York. We've done workshops together all over the world. And of course, El Pescadero, Baja, Baja California. So synchronous opportunities kept cropping up for me after I made that step. And, oh gosh, there are so many stories. Can I tell you the story about El Pescadero as well? Hello, this is a podcast about stories. That's all <laughs> you're supposed to do. Tell me stories. <laughs> well, once upon a time, I was with some of my collaborators from the improvisation world in Portland, Oregon. We used to get together once a year doing a thing called The Runaway, where we would exchange new things we'd learnt during the year. And we had a runaway in Portland, and my husband and my son came with me. My son was 12, I think. They came along just for the ride, and we were all surfing a bit at the time. So I looked, it was the very early days of Google, and I looked online, and there was a surf camp in El Pescadero, Baja California Sur, Mexico. So we decided, let's, from Portland, let's go to Mexico for a vacation. We arrived there. Long story short, I fell in love with the village. I bought a little house there. I spent a lot of time there. I met the most 
wonderful woman named Christine Spava, who was teaching yoga classes and I do a lot of yoga and I just fell deeply in love with Christine. She's one of the most wonderful humans on the planet. And then she introduced me to this guy called Jeff that she was maybe going to work with. And they started talking to me about this freak called Chip Conley, who had all these ideas about modern elders. I no longer have the house there, but I have a family there. And because of that, I started facilitating weeks at Modern Elder Academy. So there's another huge synchronous hug from the universe. I'm amazed at how the universe never stops serving us with all of the things that are good for us. On a continuous spectrum, I haven't even experienced a pause in what the universe is serving me right now. And, and personally, I feel that in the last two or three months, I have been in the most synchronous space. So I'm so happy that you're sharing your stories of synchronicity Gosh, it is such a pleasure. And thank you for sparking these stories in me. I find it very interesting, Hamid, what you say about pause, because I think I noticed the synchronicities because I learned to pause, because I stopped being driven towards what's the next thing I'm going to do. And I, for this, I partly have to thank my yoga practice, which has been going on for many, many years, that I learned to really notice what is going on? You know, when you and I were talking before the call the other day, we talked about pause, notice, and reset. Yes. Well, here it is. When you can pause, notice, and reset, then you will realize that the universe will never pause giving you what you're supposed to be getting and what's good for you. I love that. Yes. The universe will not stop. You can stop and notice what the universe has to offer you. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, this, this is, this was, uh, all of these stories are amazing. I want to ask you, is there any overarching life lesson that you've learned from all of this and everything else that's happened in your life? I learned my biggest life lesson before I was five years old, but I forgot it. And my biggest life lesson came from my grandmothers, both of whom were fierce about equality. Give everyone a chance. Listen to everyone's voice. Give everyone a chance. And I think I forgot that for a while because I was so determined to be heard. But then when I started listening to other people, that was when I really found my own voice. Okay, was that switch into listening a difficult switch? I want you to tell the viewers maybe how you made that switch. I think one of the downsides of having an active mind and imagination is that that inner voice keeps on spinning ideas and spinning stories. And I had had that problem for quite a long time. To the point almost of mental health issues, I was always spinning the possible stories, what people were thinking of me, what I thought of other people. And when I started doing physically difficult things in my yoga practice and in my dance, I dance a lot in my dance practice. I found a way of stilling that voice, which is like meditation. I found a way of making space so that I didn't have to listen to my own inner voice. And when I stopped having to listen to my own 
spinning of anxiety and worry and judgment. That was when other things had space to come in. That's a practice that I'm so grateful for. Thanks for sharing that with us. And Kate, do you have a final message for our listeners? My final message will come on my deathbed. The final message for this lovely podcast, and thank you so much, Hamida, is never stop learning. There is no final message. There is the the last thing I will say on this podcast. And then by tomorrow, I will want to call you again and say, Hamida, I found this new thing. I found another thing. So my final message is continue, continue to be enthusiastic and passionate about what else might arrive. What am I going to learn tomorrow? What am I going to learn tonight? That's my final message. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. You are amazing. You know I love you. And thank you again for being on this show. I love you too, Emily. You are the best. You are the best. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed listening to Kay as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. Before I let you go, I feel compelled to read a very short story from a book. And the reason why I feel like I'm compelled to read this story is because we uh, spoke about how Kay works with youth with cancer. And we also spoke about science from the universe through synchronicity. And I think this story really depicts that. It is from a book called Kitchen Table Wisdom, Stories That Heal by Rachel Naomi Remen. I mentioned this book to you in my very first episode. um, And I told you a little story about it. But here is the short story from this book. It's titled Grace. My patient, a physician who has cancer, comes to his session enormously pleased with himself. Knowing my love of stories, he says that he has found a perfect story and tells me the following parable. Shiva and Shakti, the divine couple in Hinduism, are in their heavenly abode watching over the earth. They are touched by the challenges of human life, the complexity of human reactions, and the ever-present place of suffering in the human experience. As they watch, Shakti spies a miserably poor man walking down a road. His clothes are shabby and his sandals are tied together with rope. Her heart is wrung with compassion. Touched by his goodness and his struggle, Shakti turns to her divine husband and begs him to give this man some gold. Shiva looks at the man for a long moment. My dearest wife, he says, I cannot do that. Shakti is astounded. Why? What do you mean, husband? You are lord of the universe. Why can't you do this simple thing? I cannot give this to him because he is not yet ready to receive it, Shiva replies. Shakti becomes angry. Do you mean to say that you cannot drop a bag of gold in his path? Surely I can, Shiva replies, but that is quite another thing. Please, husband, says Shakti. And so Shiva drops a bag of gold in the man's path. The man, meanwhile, walks along thinking to himself, I wonder if I will find dinner tonight, or shall I go hungry again? Turning a bend in the road, he sees something on the path in his way. Aha, he says, look there, a large rock. How fortunate that I have seen it. I might have torn these poor sandals of mine even further. And carefully stepping over the bag of gold, he goes on his way. It seems that life drops many bags of gold in our path. Rarely do they look like what they are. 
I ask my patient if life has ever dropped him a bag of gold that he has recognized and used to enrich his life. He smiles at me. Cancer, he says simply. What a beautiful story. And I am certain that life drops many bags of gold in our path. And I'm certain because I have found those bags of gold. Just as Kay said, all we need to do is pause and listen and look and we will find them. And I'm hoping that you are also finding your bags of gold. This brings us to the end of our show. I will bring you episode number 14 next Wednesday. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, and be well.